We now turn to our second reading from Romans. Today we're focusing on the fifth chapter, the first 11 verses. Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we've been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, I learned something this morning. Uh, talking with some of you before we began worship, uh, many of you consider this last weekend of the month to be your favorite weekend to worship. And you told me not only because we get to learn more about some of our mission partners, as we'll learn this morning more about Basket of Hope, but some of you have also uh, nicknamed this Mission Sunday Short Sermon Sunday. <laughs> I'm glad I could bless you. Uh, yeah, the sermon is a bit shorter on these mission weekends because we want to give time uh, to our guests to tell the story of the mission work they do. And this morning you're going to be blessed as you hear more about Basket of Hope. We were blessed last night at 5 o'clock, and I know it'll happen again today. But I'll just uh, make note of that. Short Sermon Sunday. Maybe I can bless you on other weekends in the same fashion. You know, this sermon this morning could have been titled, uh, How to Brag Like a Believer, How to Boast like a follower of Jesus Christ. That could have been the title because Paul tells us as Christians that we are to be boastful. <laughs> but the reason we boast, the reason we brag, has nothing to do with who you are or who I am. It has everything to do with who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So we're going to focus this morning on this kind of boasting in the Lord. But before we go there, I want to tell you something by way of introduction that uh, I think we all need to remember. I was asked recently, Pastor, what's a typical week like for you? That's what a young man in this congregation, a relatively new member, asked me recently when he asked to sit down with me and talk and pray. He revealed in my office that he's thinking about becoming a pastor, but he wants to know what he can expect 
beyond Sunday mornings and Saturday evening worship services. I gave him the only answer I could. There is no such thing as a typical week for a pastor. That was my honest reply. No two weeks in congregational ministry are the same because no two weeks are the same for God's people among whom pastors serve. You know this as the people of God. Every week is different with new joys, new sorrows. So this younger brother, a bright lad, asked a follow-up question. Well, what have the last couple of weeks been like then? And here's what I told him. In addition to all the meetings and the planning and the after-action reviews and all the things that make up a work week for your pastors here at Faith, I told him about God's people. One man's wife died tragically in her 50s. Another brother witnessed the death of his father. The daughter of one couple had to have emergency surgery. Three sisters in Christ, to our knowledge, there could be more, who are just suffering silently. Three sisters in Christ are receiving treatments for cancer. One married couple finally agreed, after lots of encouragement and prayer, to attend their first counseling session in the hope of saving their marriage. Another couple found out that come December, there's going to be even more joy than Christmas. They're going to be grandparents for the first time. One brother came to speak with me because he's got a decision. He's been offered a great job out of state, but his wife and his children love Albuquerque. Another brother still looking for a new job because the company he works for here in this city downsized recently, and you know how the saying goes, He was one of the last hired, so he was one of the first fired. One family welcomed a beautiful, perfect baby boy. Another couple welcomed a little girl who looks just fine, but inside there's problems. Her heart, her brain have issues. She's in neonatal care. And another family is planning a funeral for their little infant who did not live. And you know, these are just a few, just a few of the things that have happened among the people of God at faith in recent days. And you could add to this all of your own life experiences. This week was different than the week before. This is the start of a brand new week. It will not be the same as the one we just closed. Only God knows what these next seven days will bring. And in the midst of all the changing circumstances and situations, some happy, some sad, Paul tells us that we have a changeless, dependable, never-failing promise. We have something, someone who will not disappoint us. We have someone who will never abandon us. We have a God we can count on, yes, even when life is difficult and when death comes to our families. We have a God who blesses us when the world disappoints us. We have a God who is faithful to us even when we disappoint ourselves and disappoint Him. This is how Paul describes it. Since we have been justified. Note that. 
since we've been justified, not if we someday find justification, because we have been justified. It's a done deal. Since we've been justified, we have peace. And because of this justification, this peace of the Lord, we can boast, yes, even in our sufferings. You know this, peace is a sweet thing, sometimes a fragile thing, this side of heaven. And the grace that comes with the peace of the Lord is amazing. They're holy and precious to be sure. But to boast in our sufferings. Now this is another matter entirely. To say such a thing is contradictory to the world's ideas of bragging. To many, these words of Paul seem at best counterintuitive because it's an altogether different way of thinking about life. We boast when our kids and our grandkids make straight A's and are on the dean's list. We don't boast when we find out they've been suspended for skipping class. We boast when we get a raise, when we buy a bigger house, when we get a new set of wheels. I can't tell you how many times people have grabbed me after service as pastor. I just want you to come to the parking lot for a minute. Look at my new car. We don't boast when we've been passed over for promotion three times in a row. We boast when we make the varsity team in the starting lineup. We don't boast when we're sitting the bench with no chance of ever playing. We boast when we become engaged, not when our boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with us. We boast when we're on top of the mountain. Who boasts in the darkness of the valley? In this world, when we suffer, it seems as if we are supposed to suffer silently. And sometimes with really bad theology, we think that it is God who always wants us to suffer or that somehow we deserve it. Friends, note that Paul says we should boast in the suffering. Now, for this to be true, Paul must either be deranged, a masochist in need of some professional help, or else he's naive. He's talking about suffering hypothetically. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, the kind of people living on easy street, born with a silver spoon in the mouth, enjoying the gravy train. But Paul is not talking about suffering from a purely hypothetical, a theological, conceptual point of view. He did not enjoy a life of luxury, and Paul was anything but a masochist. When he speaks to us of boasting in our suffering, He never says in Scripture that we should enjoy it or go seeking it out. Paul assures us that if you follow Christ and if you live this side of heaven, suffering will find you one way or another. None of us are immune. Paul is speaking of pain and suffering that we experience because even though we are not of the world as Christians. Remember, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Even though we belong to Jesus and are not of this world, we are certainly in it. And in this world, there's suffering. 
And Paul is speaking as an apostle, as a brother in Christ, as a friend in the Lord who knows what it means to suffer from firsthand experience. As a follower of Jesus Christ, he was imprisoned repeatedly. He was beaten. He was ridiculed. He was exiled. And if, if, as if that wasn't enough, he had some health problem that he describes in Scripture as his thorn in the flesh that caused him great pain. So Paul suffered physically and from religious persecution as well. And he boasted in the face of such things. How can you and I have what Paul had when he suffered? How can we have the confidence and the courage to actually boast even in the midst of the sorrow and the pain? How how can we be more like the Christians today around the world who consider it their joy and their blessing to be tortured, imprisoned, and experience all kinds of suffering simply because they follow Jesus in cultures and under regimes that hate the church. The answer's not complicated, but that doesn't mean it's easy. It can't be learned in five quick lessons. It can't be purchased with three easy payments of 19.95 on your charge card. The answer is found where so many rarely look. The answer is found in the cross. And when you look to the cross, you look to Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see God's perfect grace. So the answer is found in what Paul said at the start of this section of his letter. We have been justified you've been justified a couple weeks ago in my sermon we looked more thoroughly at what this justification means but for those of you who weren't here it simply means being put back into a right relationship where a relationship formerly had been broken we have been put back into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He didn't break the relationship we did. Our sin, our depravity, our rebellion, that's what broke the relationship. But God's love and grace have repaired it. I want you to think about your most precious, holy, human relationship. I want you to think about your best friend. That could be your wife, your husband, could be your brother or sister, maybe a classmate from long ago, perhaps a coworker or a neighbor. Think of that best friend and how you can simply just just be yourself with him or her. No games, no pretense, no false faces. You can turn to that special person in your life when you are at your very worst, knowing that he or she loves you unconditionally. 
and that person's love and kindness pale in comparison to God's love for you. God loves you so much he died for you and was willing to do what was required to have a right relationship with you, justifying you and making you his eternally. And even in our suffering, sufferings that can knock us down and knock the breath out of us, God is among us and with us and for us. Even when death comes our way, it does not have the final word. That word belongs to God, the Alpha and the Omega. Boasting even in our suffering means this. We can be real with one another as children of God. We can admit that we're not perfect and neither are our children and neither are our parents. We can admit that we are vulnerable. We can admit that we don't know it all. We can say to one another, we have days when our faith is alive and well and vibrant and strong and we have days where it seems our faith is just hanging on by a spiritual thread. We can do these things because we have a God in whom we can boast. A great God, a merciful God, a compassionate God. The God who chose to die on a cross so we could live. In our sufferings, we boast in the Lord. That's what Christians do. Pastor, what's a typical week like for you, said the young man. Well, a typical week for a pastor is probably like a typical week for all of you. You got some things planned, you've got some appointments, then you got surprises and interruptions. You've got some joy and some sorrow. There have been some highs, there have been some lows. What's a typical week like? Signs of strength and signs of weakness, some laughter, probably some tears too. But one thing about our days and weeks will never change. And that's Jesus. So brothers and sisters, we can say this. We can say it with the Apostle Paul. We can say it with one another. Not hypothetically. But through the power of the cross. We have been justified. We have a peace the world cannot give. And we can dare to boast, yes, even in our suffering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.